we're going to spend the next few moments uh, and tune our hearts into the way of Jesus. And we at Heart Church believe the best way to do that uh, is to tune our hearts to the Word. Because uh, it's God's word to us. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn with us to the very first page of it. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 again for the third consecutive Sunday morning. Uh, and we're going to be starting in verse 26. Uh, and then we're going to hop over a little bit later on to John chapter 15 uh, and dabble a little bit in the gospel of Mark. Uh, but if you call Heart Church home, uh, I would love to encourage you to start bringing a paper Bible with you. Uh, because we really believe that opening up the living word of God together in community uh, really postures our hearts. Uh, and we spend so much time on our phones anyway. Uh, there's just something awesome uh, about a paper Bible. So if you don't have one, uh, we would love to get you one. Uh, but we would love to encourage you to bring one with you. But again, it's going to be Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. This is what the Bible records. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created us. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 28 again, and God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. As we dive into the scriptures together as a community, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you so much for the incredible gift that it is to read your word today together in community. We thank you that as we come to your word, you desire to speak to us through it. So right here and now, Jesus, I ask that my words would fall flat. And that your word that goes out and never comes back void. Oh, that it would come and it would penetrate our hearts today. The Holy Spirit, you would move in such power in these minutes and moments. That Jesus, you would reveal yourself to us. That Father God, you would show us your glory. We love you. We thank you for your word. It's your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. Uh, one of the things in this life that I enjoy the most is coffee. I don't know about you, but every morning when I wake up, I peel the crusty from my eyes. I venture downstairs over to the coffee pot. And when the warm brown nectar from the God who loves us makes its way to my taste buds in the early morning hours, it's as if heaven has touched earth inside my mouth. <laughs> Maybe you can relate to that emotion. I've been drinking the same cup of coffee since I was four years old, so recently I decided to spice it up a little bit. I decided to branch out. Uh, some of the amazing staff at heart have peculiar coffee orders, uh, so I thought I'd give it a try. A lot of people nowadays, I guess, are trying like almond milk and coconut milk. So I said, hey, why not? Try an try a almond milk latte. Like, let's give it a go. Everybody seems doing it. Worst thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. <laughs> Worst thing that has ever entered my mouth in my entire existence. Like, where do they even milk almonds? Do they find a bunch of people with tiny hands, put them in a room, and just like have a meet the parents type of moment? Like, this is horrible. You should not do this. It was It was awful. But the reason that I lighten you up to that moment is because you and I, all the time, especially in the body of Christ, we look for substitutes. 
We look for things that are alternatives to give us what we crave while keeping our gut from getting sick. While all the while we swap out and distort something that was originally created incredible and wonderful. Now you can have your coffee order however you want. No judgment here. But when it comes to the move of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the personhood of Jesus, when it comes to the kingdom of the living God making its way into the nooks and crannies of all our ordinary moments in the here and now, there's no substitute. There's no alternative. There's no distorting. Jesus is either Lord or he's nothing. And we've lost the plot. It's either a move of the Holy Spirit or it's empty. The gospel changes everything or nothing. Now that might be a sharp corner from coffee to Christ Jesus. But my hope is that over these next few minutes and moments, we would become aware of the subtle lie that the enemy has tried to make us not even notice. That how far you and I have drifted as we've tried to swap alternatives in rather than form our lives into whose image we bear. That's the scripture that we've just read. And we've spent the last two weeks unpacking the incredible truth together as a community that we bear the image of the one true God. That we are created in his likeness. That we've been unpacking the creation account in scripture as recorded in Genesis 1 together. One that's filled to the brim with joy and delight and goodness. The one true God speaking life into being, taking the vast empty, taking the nothing and creating everything. And learning together as a community to really pause long enough to take it all in. The sun rises and the sun sets, the mercy of a new day, the stars and the expanse above. Remember even the watermelons, the elephants, the orcas, the way the flowers dance in the wind and the trees sway, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. The way that the whole of creation was spoken into order by a God who just delighted to do so. Everything that is coming fully alive in the purposes of its creator, alive with passion, delight, and life. It's a wonder. It's incredible. But remember, none of it bears his image. That's reserved for you. Has that sinked in yet? Has verse 26 of Genesis 1 made its way into the very depth of your heart? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created us. Male and female, you and me, he created them. All the rest... Oh, it's incredible, remember? It's awesome and should be delighted and it speaks to the invisible qualities of a good God. But only you, only you right here, right now, bear his image. And learning together as a community over these last few weeks that in order to honor that truth is to abide in him, to abide in Jesus, journeying our way through John chapter 15, learning how to abide in his love, abide in his commands, Abide in him and with him so that we would bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciple. And trying in all the common and ordinary nook and crannies of our lives to really tangibly, practically do that. And that we as a church must care more about the internal workings of God in us and other people than the external ambitions of the world. For that's how love will be known, remember? And that abiding is always how Jesus gets his work done. 
And learning together as a community that abiding will always be the most fruitful posture of the church and any other area of life. That the God who created everything, the one whose image you bear right here and right now, he invites you to abide in him. That that's the main beauty of John chapter 15. Not to abide in a program or a church or a system. Not to abide in a religion, but to abide in himself. For remember Jesus says in verse 5, for apart from, from me... You can do nothing. It's been a journey. And now here we are today, on this morning, hoping to have grasped, even maybe just for a moment, that we bear the image of the Most High God. Hoping to have grasped, maybe even just for a moment, that our greatest calling is to abide in Him. But the question for us as a community together is how do we stick to it? How do we stay with it? That when the sexy falls away, how do you and I remain faithful? How do we let the creation account sink into the depths of our bones and change our whole being? How do we as a community together really deeply abide and allow the flourishing we see in Genesis 1 to come out of us individually and collectively as a community? How do we day by day look like love, look like the garden, and mostly look like Jesus? How do we no longer distort and choose alternatives When this world that we were originally created to live in is not like a bad cup of coffee filled with almond milk, but is steeped in the personhood of Jesus and the reality of the kingdom. How do we echo an outcry like Jesus that would be in our hearts as it is in heaven? How do we say no to the world's lies and yes to God's truth? God's truth that we bear His image, that we're invited to abide in Him. And as Genesis 1 stated, That we've been blessed. Blessed to rule and reign, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it, and watch that as we partner with Jesus, flourishing can take place. Not later in heaven, but right here, right now in the pocket of the ordinary. How do we actually do that? How do we make this reality of our lives, not just on a Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, every day, every moment? The biblical word used to describe the no we say to the world's lies and the yes we say to God's truth is repentance. Repentance means to turn away from something into something else. A going one way and then repenting and turning into a completely different way. And repentance is always and everywhere the first word in the Christian life. That's John the Baptist in Matthew 3. His first preaching, repent For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus first preaching a chapter later. The same. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter concluded his first sermon in Acts 2 with repent and be baptized. In the Bible, the very last book of it, Revelation 3, the message to the church is be zealous and repent. Or how the whole Old Testament is almost but not quite entirely summed up in two chronicles. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face and repent from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their land and heal their, and heal their land. How do we really let the creation account sink into the depths of our lives? How do we as a community together really begin to deeply abide and let the flourishing we see in Genesis 1 come out of us? How do we day by day look like love, look like the garden, and mostly look like Jesus? The Bible says... By keeping up with repentance. 
Now before you and I tune out and continue into the distorted reality because the word repentance feels heavy and loaded, let's frame it with the truth of who Jesus is. Because I think collectively, we as the body of Christ, all over the place, need to repent from what we think repenting is. Because what Jesus is talking about, oh, it's a joyful repentance. A joyful repentance. Not an emotion, not a feeling sorry for your sins, but a decision. It's deciding that we have been wrong in supposing that we could manage our own lives. Or as my friend Eugene Peterson puts it, Deciding that we were wrong in thinking we had or could get enough strength, education, training, or grit to make it on our own. Deciding that we've been told a pack of lies about ourselves, our neighbors, and our world. And deciding that God in Jesus Christ is the only one telling you the truth. Repentance is the daily decision to follow Jesus and become his pilgrim on the path of life. And I just love that because it reframes repentance from sorrow into a place of deep joy. It turns us from the lies of the world, but it also, probably more importantly, turns us from the lies of religion. That's what Jesus says in Mark chapter 7. Holding fast to the traditions of men while leaving the commandments of God. That you and I, maybe, as the body of Christ, need to repent from who we think Jesus is and start living into the flourishing and freedom life that he has for us. Turning to the truth of the matter The truth of all things. The truth that what God says about me is that he made me and loves me. The truth that what God says about you and the person sitting next to you is that he made you and he loves you. And because of that, we are invited to live in deep community with one another. The truth about the world that God rules and reigns and joyfully provides for it because he delights to do so. And the truth that what's wrong with the world is not God, but that it's you and me and those sitting next to you. That we have sinned and that we have refused to let God be for us, over us, and in us. But the truth about the center of our story now and our history is the truth that Jesus was crucified on a cross for our sins. Raised from the grave for our salvation. And we can participate in new life as we believe in him. Accept his mercy, respond to his love, and wait for it. Bear his image and abide in him as we joyfully keep up with repentance day by day. The joy of repentance. That's why Jesus' first words in his public ministry for all of humanity as recorded in the Gospel of Mark are, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the Gospel. For when we repent and believe in the Gospel, we are agreeing with the Creator again that He knows what He's doing. That we cannot save ourselves, but that the good news of the gospel is that the Savior does not shout from the balcony of heaven that we are loved. No. He comes. He gets dirt in the creases of his hands. He gets blood on his brow. Scars in his side. Betrayed by the people he came to save so we could know perfect love. So Genesis 1 could erupt in our hearts again. So abiding would always be our posture. Not ambition and striving. The joy of repentance. It's the most loving thing that we could be invited into. We've heard different though, haven't we? We bring up that word. All sorts of walls start going up. We've been taught to believe that it's something else. But how could we think that the Jesus who healed the bleeding woman, who heard her and heard her whole story, 
The Jesus that sat with Mary and Martha and wept over Lazarus. The Jesus who called Matthew the outcast tax collector that no one else wanted. The Jesus who sat with the woman at the well in the heat of the day. The God-man who calmed the storm for his scared friends. The one who went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner that no one else in the city wanted to be associated with. The Jesus who opened the eyes of the blind, healed the legs of multiple, opened deaf ears, was notorious for hanging out with sinners, and was turning water into wine. The Savior who spoke forgiveness just as death was closing in, who appeared to Mary in the garden and was revealed to her by calling her name. The one who died for Judas, and Judas could have cared less. That this Jesus who always and only had joy in his heart and love in his eyes. How could you and I ever believe for a moment that that Jesus says repent with a scowl. Says repent with frustration. Says repent with a frown. No. There is no way this Jesus utters those words unless it invites all of humanity to life, life to the full and flourishing in the way of perfect love. There is no way this Jesus uttered those words unless they were meant to bring us joy. The joy of repentance. It's a turning from death and despair into life, rescue, and embrace. The joy of repentance is saying no to the lies of the world and yes to the facts and truth of God. Not feelings about Him, but facts of who He is and who we are to Him. It's not a feeling bad. It's a decision that is marked with joy in the end. The joy that you'll never see the backside of God. That you'll never see the backside of God as he walks away from you. But that in repentance you start to see the smile of Jesus. The love in his eyes. The joy in his voice. A daily repentance is how we as the sheep of the shepherd start to hear and know his voice. That's John 10. As we the people of his pasture start to live empowered by the Holy Spirit right here and right now. That's Acts 1. As we as the church start to be the hands and feet of the Savior. That's Matthew 28 in all of the letters to the churches. Repentance is how we stay rooted in Genesis 1. That our God created us for flourishing. But repentance is also how we stay rooted in Genesis 3. That you and I unfortunately have chosen everything but God. And repentance is how you and I stay deeply filled with hope. That the Savior saves and John 3 might be familiar, but it still has power. That he so loves the world that he sent his son for you. Because you bear his image. He's wild about you. And he wants nothing from you other than life for you. Joyful repentance. It's no longer acting like tourists coming to see attractions called church. No. But more like apprentices getting their hands dirty. Participating in the work of their master. The work of grace. The work of love. The work of joy. The work of inviting other people into joyful repentance. The work of a history that is filled to the brim with gospel movement and vision for the future that is flourishing with kingdom fulfillment. A life that is not marked by your birthday and your tombstone, but one that is marked by the cross that stands at the center of not just your story in history, but the entire history and story of the world. A joyful repentance is turning to see and live in that reality. Kingdom reality. Over and over and over again. The reality of Genesis 1 right here and right now. As we live into and out of John 15. 
abiding in him. Repentance is the decision to head home again. Back to life, walking in the cool of the garden with God. Stepping toward Eden, rather than, the God, than away from the God of it. Living in the reality that we're image bearers. Abiding, living in step with the Holy Spirit. Daily repenting in joy because this Jesus, oh, he's the only one who offers life. And if you don't yet know the love and joy of Jesus, then turn and know him. If you don't yet know that to really know God is to fall on your face in absolute awe and adoration, then turn and know him. If you don't yet know perfect love, mercy, endless grace, and a holy pursuit of a good God that has never left his people, then turn and know him. And if you don't think you need to, or it's become so familiar that you forget to, then turn from your pride, because this isn't just for the person next to you. And know the God who says, you are made in his likeness. This God, he loves us. And it's not for sorrow or guilt or shame. It's to acknowledge the wonder, the majesty, the glory, and be swept up in the holy. For the Bible says that his kindness leads us to repentance. And if it's really his kindness that leads us to repentance, then we turn from the world into the arms of love. Because this world is cruel and evil. It's empty. But this God... This God whose image you bear, oh, he has only ever been kind. He has been so kind to us. His son on that tree, our nails in his hands, our sin piercing his side, he has been so kind to us. His power reigning over death, his power declaring the empty tomb, his power raising us from death to life, he has been so kind to us. His power inviting us to freedom. For no other reason than Christ to set us free. With all of the glory His, He calls you beloved. With all of the holy His, He kindly invites us into repentance. So we could experience the fullness of His love. The fullness of His joy. The delight of worship and wonder. Joyful repentance. It means declaring that we were wrong. And aren't we glad that we were wrong? Aren't we glad that we were wrong thinking that we were the God of this life? Because even if life is amazing right now, it is empty without Jesus. Or if it's all lemons right now, it is for sure hopeless without Jesus. That's why the psalm says, I was glad to enter the house of the Lord. For in his house, we're reminded that this world isn't our home. We got eternity set in our hearts. And like the prodigal beloved needs to return to the Father's house, that returning is daily. Not because our God kicks us out daily, but because for some reason, even though he is perfectly faithful to us, we walk away from him. And a daily joyful repentance says, I'm coming home. I'm coming home to whose image I bear, to the truth that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. But that spirit leads me and guides me. And I'm a pilgrim on a journey home to the Father's house. Now you can have your coffee however you want. No judgments here. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the way of Jesus, when it comes to participating in the Heavenly Father's kingdom coming in the here and now and His will being done in the immediate moments of our lives, when it comes to whose image you bear, there's no alternate. 
There is no substitute. You see, Jesus is Lord, or we've lost the plot. It's a move of the Holy Spirit, or it's empty. The gospel changes everything or nothing. And that you and I are we're invited into a joyful repentance because the subtle lie of the enemy says that you and I don't need to. Repentance says, I'm going to turn from that lie and into the truth. And daily live for love of Jesus and responding to the love that He has for us. You're made in His image. The invitation is to abide, bear much fruit and be His disciple. Not to make Him in our image. Not to abide in society. Not to abide in culture or the norms of the day. Not to be successful or pursue happiness. No! But to repent from all of the ways that we think we're better, best, but only lead to death. And come and follow Jesus, the author of life, who has exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. To repent from a tourist mindset that shows up to see church. And instead, like a pilgrim on a rugged journey, pursue holiness in the likeness of Christ. Or, like my friend Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and ruthlessly, joyfully believe in the gospel. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you invite us into a joyful repentance. We thank you that when you look at us, there is only a smile on your face. There is only love in your eyes. We thank you that as we turn from the lies of this world, that as we turn from the sin that wages war in our hearts, that every single time, without fail, you rescue and redeem us. You set us free from sin. Not by our efforts, but because of who you are. Thank you that the identifier of our history and our story is your cross at the very center of it. So Lord Jesus, right here and right now as a community together, we repent. We turn from the lies of the world. And we believe in your gospel. We joyfully today surrender everything back to you. And we ask that you would cause flourishing to enter our hearts. That you would give us the courage to rule and reign alongside you. Just like in Genesis 1. Abide in you as you invite us to. And day by day be found repenting any moment we think something else might be better. We thank you that you love us. We love you. And it's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said, amen. We're going to spend the next few moments in a time of worship through song. Uh, but as the Spirit continues to move, maybe you're looking for some practical ways of repenting, what that might look like. Maybe you need to repent from the lie that your job defines you more than Jesus does. Maybe you need to repent from the lie that your kids are a distraction to your life rather than a gift from the giver of life. Maybe you need to repent from the lie that you're not loved because of something that's been done to you or something that you've done. Repent from the lie that the blood of Jesus won't cover that sin. Repent and turn to the arms of love and grace and be given a new name. The name that your maker gives you. Beloved. Or maybe like me, you need to repent this morning from thinking you've got it all figured out 
haven't heard it before type of response and get your Genesis 1 on wonder back. Or maybe you just need to repent from almond milk. You decide. If you're able, would you stand? Let's worship together.